0: Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinnime.com podcast. All right, on to our episode. We wanted to pull back the curtain for you to see what it's like to meet the needs of your ideal clients to to serve them and to rise to the occasion when there is a need, you know, and how that process happens. And I think sometimes people are very curious about how we work anyway. I think there is a lot of curiosity about like partnerships and what that looks like, Mm -hmm. but also in terms of like, how do these ideas develop? and Where do they come from? And we've been talking for a long time, but heavily this past week going for walks on the beach, just trying to understand You know, what is the need? Are we meeting it? How can we do that differently based on data, looking at the numbers, looking at clicks and views, and all these things? But here we are, really trying to connect because we both know and believe in what we do. We both know that we help facilitate change for the therapists that work with us. It's an amazing program that we've created since, I mean, it's eight, nine years around, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just, it didn't, it's not just random. It's Mm -hmm. been around has establishments, it's grown. It has the testimonials and all that. And yet it feels like there's something missing in how we connect to that ideal client. Even us like, yeah, we help our clients do that all the time, but now we have to also look within ourselves and say, Where's the gap? How can I lead, like our value, lead to better? And that's kind of what we're doing today. It's pulling back the curtain, showing how we do that, giving people insight into like the messy middle, as you call it, that we go through (laughs) and that we're in the middle of. Yes,
1: because every time um, we provide services to our clients in lots of different ways, we ask people questions and we survey them and we do that outcomes- um measurement and we look at how well do our free trainings impact people what do they say about them how well does our paid program what do we say about them like we had 100 percent of people that we surveyed from this last round of boot camp they were all brand new and all of them were like oh my gosh so glad I invested in this I would tell my friends to to enroll like this is in exactly what we needed and so <clears throat> we we've really been looking at though Are we fully, we know that we're meeting the needs inside of our, inside of our programs when people show up, when they come in, but we've been noticing that fewer people have been showing up for our free trainings and for our paid trainings. And so we're looking and exploring, well, what is that? What's happening? And so we started this conversation earlier in this week, earlier this week about just what is happening based on conversations and with lots of clients. So not even like click data, like not even like mm-hmm. show rates or anything like that, but just based on conversations, what do we feel like is really happening with clients or with therapists, like at a meta level, like at this, like are the macro. And then at this like more meta level, like I've been, I just saw a podcast the other day talking about And I didn't get to listen to the podcast, but talking about this issue of how much more conflict people have been seeing inside of Facebook groups for therapists over the last two years, Mm. the conflict level has risen and I've been running a, um, a Facebook group for therapists since 2005 And I've never experienced this level of conflict in those years. Yes, there's been conflict. Yes, there's been struggles and pain points and places to move. But the way that people are doing conflict, the way that they're speaking to each other, and how, I guess, how much fuel is there has been really high, right? So that's like this one point of like data and understanding. And then you hear therapists now more than ever saying like, hand burnout. Like, you know, we wrote a book about, or like a mini ebook about burnout on this last year that people have been reaching out to us and saying, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm experiencing. But on like a global level, we have therapists who are feeling just like, there is so much need, the phones are ringing off the hooks, they are trying their best to support as many people as possible, but they feel completely spent and just like they don't have it to give personally, professionally. And so they're feeling like really stuck in needing to be present for as many people as possible, but also like feeling like, oh, I don't really have it to give. You know? And so we were talking about this idea or this conceptualization that as we have all experienced this collective trauma of the pandemic, if we were to look through, the, through a trauma lens of what's happening at this idea of the fight, flight, or freeze mode, would some of the things that we're seeing in the therapy profession in terms of people resigning for their jobs, <laughs> you know, kind of like running from certain experiences, leaving the profession entirely, um, people fighting more, um, being more in conflict, and sometimes fighting for really good things. But again, I'm talking about the kind of conflict that is not healthy for anybody and is just creating um, so much stress for them as well. Um, Like, if we were to put a trauma lens on it, would all of these behaviors that we're seeing shift, like, or even the freeze mode that people are kind of in the space of just like, I'm stuck. What I'm doing isn't working, but like, I can't make a change. So I'm just gonna kind of just keep going down the path.
0: And I think, well, we see the landscape too of private practice shifting a little right now and wanting to meet the needs of those different phases of practice adds another complexity because your fight flight or freezing when you're starting growing or you have a group practice can look a little different too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that like panic mode
1: or even that like, Oh, like I will say for me at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, Kelly and I have always talked about work-life balance right? Sometimes people think that we have a passive income stream and that we don't work at all, but we have always worked and work considerably. Um, But we've been very good about our schedules and making sure that we're working in a way that's really sustainable so that we can be present for our bodies and our children and all the other pieces. But when everything came into place and things locked down, I found myself working 60 hours a week which is something I hadn't done in years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and 60 hour a week used to be my norm. You know, you go to school full time while you're working full time. Then I was working full time while I had another part-time
0: job, part, but I don't, you know, two well,
1: part-time jobs. But like, I don't
0: think it was just like you were working It's because we were trying to really rise up and serve people who were in crisis. It was like we were responding to a forest fire so to speak and we were yes we were and not I'm not justifying it I'm just saying it was not just hey we're locked in our homes and we had nothing else to do no it was our community was
1: yes but what I thought was interesting about it is that I didn't realize I was doing it like I legitimately didn't realize until like several months in that that was what my norm was and that i was working that much i would have said like oh yeah i'm doing more and oh yes like we were writing articles that you know 30,000 people were <laughs> were looking to to figure out how to like navigate the transition to to lockdown and all of that but i think there was something in the way that i was doing it that i could i could now look back on that was more than just um, me being present and putting out the forest fire mm-hmm. it was it it was me going back into like a old trauma way. response yeah. into an
0: old way well yeah when you have like well, we know this when people go through crisis and we don't have the reserves we go back to old ways and old states and old parts you know and so yeah it's been a lot of that And I think a lot of our clients have too. And so then what happens is they start, you know, they, they did like what we did. We felt the demand, the need, the pain of other people, and we're responding to it and neglecting our own needs. Mm -hmm. And then our clients are doing the same thing for when the phone's ringing off the hook. So there's like this, I'm really excited. My practice is booming and the phone is ringing and all these great things. And I can't see everyone, but I feel compelled to, Mm -hmm. it's just this intense cycle that we've been seeing.
1: Yeah. Like whatever, like for me, my, my go-to is definitely like overwork, overperform. um, Don't say no to anybody, people, people pleasing stuff. And I think whatever your go-to has been in the, in like your previous experiences in life, what does that look like in the current? Like, for example, just that simple thing of getting on the phone with somebody who you're talking with and you think, oh, you know what? This actually isn't a really good fit. Maybe it's not a good fit because of what they're looking for help with. Maybe it's personality, maybe it's scheduling, you know, whatever the thing is, but I've I've heard more in the last couple of years of therapists really saying yes to everybody, even in terms of like when they're scheduling people, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I was at home and then they created something that really didn't make sense for themselves. Maybe they even, you know, I've heard therapists talking about, like, I didn't even realize that I had somehow gotten up to 27 or 31 clients because, I let my schedule get out of hand and I just started putting people in spots Mm -hmm. and I didn't really, I wasn't intentional about it, you know? So I think that like running mode of like what that looks like, um, when we're in kind of that trauma response, when we're not grounded in the space of like our body feeling like everything's going to be okay, Mm -hmm. everything's going to be okay financially health-wise, relationally, everything's going to be okay. And with my business in general, um, I think it, it just looks these, it, it comes out in all these different ways. It comes out in sliding your fee for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think especially at the beginning, there was a lot of talk of, should I just immediately cut my fee? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Immediately before anybody had asked for it. Before there was anything going on, like, should I just cut my fee? And we're asking therapists like, wait, well, has your, have your costs gone down? No, my costs have gone up. Oh, okay. Then how are you going to cut your fee? Like, what does that look like? But I think there's still, um, I'm seeing this with group practices, Um, group practices that have been, you know, they've put the work into creating a business plan that's really sustainable and providing a good place to work. Um, and making sure that they're doing things in the legal and right way and then they're suddenly in a spot where maybe there's less people applying for their positions or what have you and they're saying well maybe I should just do this or that and they're like okay but is that sustainable no um, would you be paying that person to work for you would you be making less money yes okay <laughs> well <laughs> but these other people are doing it you know they see other people um, maybe doing things that, they already know because they're established enough that don't work, but now they feel like kind of like they're in a panic mode. It makes them feel that there's
0: something wrong with them. Um, like <laughs> instead of standing in their truth and really, and it's harder, right? When you are watching other people make decisions that, you know, it looks on the outside, like it's successful, but we know over time it's not sustainable and st- being steady and intentional takes energy. And I think that we're seeing people have less energy and they have less joy. There's a like overall kind of anhedonia feeling (laughs) across the board. And so then there's this looking to others. Is that going to fix it? Is this going to make me feel better? And it's I feel like a lot of us, have been lost I mean when the pandemic hit you and I did breath work online (laughs) we like tried all these different ways to still stay in our bodies and Mm -hmm. be present and all this kind of stuff but it never hit the same as like when we're in a class or you know and I know everyone's different and has gotten back to their lives in different ways but I think there's still this residual things are not what they used to be and they may never be again and it's hard to where's the joy where's the passion and now it's turned into like fear and survival and just getting through it even if you're really busy and making a ton of money yeah um there's like a lack of I love this you know I think Well, we were we were doing some research
1: on like what what do they call that? You know, the, the post-COVID stress disorder or the post-COVID anxiety disorder, the amount of people that are left um, feeling like forever changed and different and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. The exhaustion that people are feeling. And I think the exhaustion, the depression that like I think that strives from that freeze response. It's like your body's kind of trying to, to get you to stop because it feels unsafe or unsure. And so you just feel the energy kind of sucked out of the room. I actually, I had a little bit of that um, over this last weekend. I went to um, a friend was having a birthday party in Palm Springs and it sounded like a great thing to go and like, I'd never been to Palm Springs and to kind of go to this, this event. I was like, oh, I make a little private staycation and retreat for myself. Like this seems like a lovely thing to do. And then, and because I'm living in a place where I have, um, I have been vaccinated and I actually have already contracted and and healed from COVID, I'm not, and and where I live, they don't have strict max masking standards if you are, um, if you have a, if you're vaccinated. So for me, I don't, I can kind of like separate myself from the pandemic and start to kind of Express or like kind of feel like I'm getting back to normal. And when I went to Palm Springs, it was mass inside everywhere, showing vaccination records, like lots of different things. And I immediately, like my body started shut down, like almost immediately. Like it was just kind of this like panic mode of like, oh my gosh, this is still happening. Like what's going on? And it took me like a little while. Like I actually came home early. Um, because it just didn't, like my body was just like, no, I don't want to be anywhere near this experience because why? I haven't fully healed from it. And I don't think most people have, like, I don't think most of us have had enough, still going through it, still in it. Right. (laughs) To like have to be able to like fully feel like, Oh, okay. Like even talking about Palm Springs, like makes me feel a little nauseous. Right. But I think that that place of being able to have that awareness, I think it, I think we're not really talking about it and we're not talking about how it's impacting us um, personally and professionally as therapists. Like we are in the room with people working through these issues like on a day by day basis. Mm -hmm. And if our boundaries have gotten wonky, if we've been, if our caseloads have been too high and maybe And I mean, we talked about this a lot, but like maybe your caseload pre pandemic, maybe it was the exact same as right now, but maybe that needed to change based on everything that's happened. Maybe you don't have the energy that you had before. And to be honest about that and to say, like, no, like I can really only do, you know, again, fill in the blank, whatever that number is, and feel really good. Or I really need to, change what I'm doing. Like, I'm not loving my clients right now. And like, there's a few clients I love, but I'm saying yes to people that I, I'm not feeling it. I'm resentful of my clients. I'm resentful of the time that I'm sitting with them. Like, Ooh, how's that going to impact your clinical outcomes? If you keep saying yes to things that just don't work for you.
0: But I think that's a parallel process for us. Yeah. So deciding to not coach for six months one-on-one to take a moment. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. And recalibrate and think through like Where's our joy?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do we like doing? Mm-hmm. Because I've always loved boot camp. There's been parts of it that are very hard. Everyone in my life knows when I'm in boot camp. <laughs> but this last round, some people were like, wow, oh, I can't even tell that you're in boot camp. And I think, you know, I've learned over time how to manage that time period. Um, and then we have tap, but then there's this desire, right? We talked about earlier this year, we wanna be back in person so badly. And, um, you know, like we've been exploring how to do that and navigate that with COVID and everything. And I think it's the same, what we're trying to help our, our clients do of getting back to having the boundaries, getting back to that ideal schedule, getting back into flow, and is what we are doing for ourselves as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's a co-shared yes. experience. <laughs> a
1: parallel process that we're having with our <laughs> coaching clients who are therapists that are having with their a- clients. <laughs> yeah, are, yeah I
0: know. think it's kind of where we're all at of this. Now what? What is the life that I want? And now that I've experienced all these things this past year and a half or so, what does this mean moving forward? What do I want to keep? What do I want to eliminate? Mm-hmm. What do I want to shift? And I think, you know, we've done our master class for, in response to the pandemic, we did that masterclass. And I think, you know, it was incredible. And the response from it has been amazing. And the transformations have been amazing. And yet we're like, we need to meet the need differently in a mm-hmm. way that, We're stepping into our own transformation and our own growth. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like?
1: Because I think for a lot of therapists, the idea of being able to even take an hour out of their week or to take five hours out of the week to work on their business, to work on the the pieces, like they don't feel like they have it to give, like they're behind on their notes. They've already got six phone calls. They've got uh, 300 unread emails in their inbox like therapists are in this place of like they're treading water underwater just kind of like coming up for like gas of air and I think there's this like what I want to give them in some ways is this like retreat experience to pull them back but like like in in all the ways like I want to get them into a room and give them a hug and say like it doesn't have to be this way and I know that what they really need if I I could pull them out of that experience for eight weeks, they could be rested. I could give them yoga every day. I could give them amazing food. I give them all the hugs and all this community, but if they went back to the way that they have been doing things and they kept doing that three months, six months, nine months from now, they'd feel exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. Because I think as a still, as a general like therapist community, we are not creating sustainable businesses. That's not the norm yet. That's the exception. If you have a business that you still feel energy at the end of the day to be with friends or family or to take care of yourself, to you know cook a meal, if you have room to take a vacation and the budget to do that, if when your laptop breaks, it's not the end of the world and you're not panicking, when you're not panicking, when you have your tax bill come at the end of the year, like that is the exception not the norm and i think I mean, that's why we love boot camp is because that's what people's businesses look like afterwards but when they talk with their friends like that's not the experience mm-hmm. and i think that's why sometimes boot campers end up pulling away <laughs> from other people outside of boot camp is because it's it's so different but i think there's something about that like how do we like you know b- burnout going back to that word and we're, we haven't talked about this a whole lot, but we're writing a full book. We had our mini book on, on burnout, but we're writing the full book now and we're in the editing process. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is not I'm very down on my burnout. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: like when you look at like what we know about burnout is that what it looks like is not very different than an anxiety disorder or a depressive disorder. The only difference between those things is why it happened. Origin. The origin of it. The epidemi- epi- Epid- <laughs> Epidermis. <laughs> the epidemiology.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: the epidermis of it. The epicenter. <laughs> um, the, the epidemiology of it. Like that's the only difference. Like when you read over, like what it feels like. To be burnout, and if you just describe that to someone, they'd say, "Oh my gosh, it sounds like you're depressed. It sounds like you're anxious. It sounds like, like your body, like you're having a what? What were the old terms? Right? We say like, oh, you're having a breakdown, or you're having a Mental, crisis. What? Uh,
0: yeah, nervous breakdown. A nervous
1: breakdown, right? Um, and often, I think in our field in particular, I think we are more likely to perceive burnout as a mental health crisis and something that we did wrong or something that needs mental health treatment instead of seeing it as something that actually needs systemic treatment that if we don't treat the system the business or the employment situation that provided or that led to the outcome it won't change or if we don't change the system of what we believe about how we should work or how we should be, we're going to go out and create the exact same dynamic with another business, with another position. Like let's talk about multiple streams well, of income. Let me just
0: say <laughs> I think it's good to clarify that the system that you're speaking of is the system that is created by the clinician And that we do acknowledge that there are other systems that we're operating within. I'm talking about both. But I'm just saying, well, let me finish what I'm saying. (laughs) But that, thank you. (laughs) But that when it comes to what you can change, the one that you have the most effect on is the one that was created by your hands. Mm -hmm. And yet we can still work to Adjust those other systems. However, that's a long game. So then, how do you build a business that protects you, or that can levy you through the larger systemic oppressions and issues that need to shift? Sort of like what we talk about with health insurance, uh, racism, um, you know, mental health laws, all these other kinds yeah. of things. Those we can continue to work on, but we want the thing that we create to give us enough reserve to continue to make effort to change those larger systems as well. Yeah,
1: but I think that, that piece of, I think initially that system is, is one that's outside of us. And then we learn that that's how the family, you know, that's, that's how families work or that's how mm-hmm. work works. And then we replicate it in our businesses. Yeah. You know, I think it comes from our, you know, quote unquote, family of origin or a system of origin. Yeah. What were those first businesses look like? What is what's happening in a societal way? And then we think that just leaving that particular position or leaving being employed by other people alone will solve it.
0: No, you're your stuff you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah. I thought, you know, I thought I'd leave County and, but my personality came with me and my need for perfection, my workaholism. And when I speak of workaholism, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about not being flow. I'm talking about being driven by anxiety and fear and working um, out of a need to create a sense of ego not because you love what you do and it works for your life it's when it's not working for your life <laughs> uh, so i just kind of took that with me but i think what we're seeing now is this interesting well we talk about how like the pandemic was the instapot yes where it put the pressure it showed the cracks and some people are sticking in their head in the sand about the cracks. And I'm like, I'm too tired to even look at it. Mm-hmm. There are people who are inspired by how mental health stigma is reducing. More people are wanting to access therapy. And so they want to start their practices. We have group practices that are just, we that people who want to go into group practice because now they have so many calls. And then we have group practice owners who their clinicians are leaving to start their own businesses. It's hard to hire when other businesses are operating under practices that aren't necessarily ethical or legal. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just this interesting kind of landscape that we're in, but at the root of it, of what you're saying is, is that we still need to look at what we're creating, that it's sustainable Mm -hmm. even now in this context, in the midst of everything and people feel I think they're depleted and there was something you were saying yesterday when we were talking about the freeze and flight stuff and you were saying how you had listened to a podcast about burnout and how or maybe it was a TikTok I don't remember but it's <laughs> about how it's not that people need more rest.
1: Oh yes, it was they the need, it wasn't that you're doing too much. Yeah. Um is not the reason that you're burnout it's because you're doing too little of the things
0: that actually like take care of you and sustain you i think there's something about that like it's real important that we need to talk more about yeah i feel like the energy and the passion is missing because we got we rose to the occasion we have served (laughs) you know what i mean and now it's you it's not sustainable again I think that's the place is like how do we get
1: out of that fight flight or freeze mode like how do we truly give ourselves space to heal and then what is that post traumatic growth you know cuz that's where we're at we're in that or or we that's the opportunity i wouldn't say that's where we're at but that's <laughs> Wow. That's awesome. We are. Tell me more about
0: that world. I
1: mean, I I want to say like if you're yeah. in the messy middle, like let us know. Like definitely, I want to hear. Yes. I I want the reviews to blow blow up. If you're like, I'm in the messy middle. Like I know that what I've been doing has been working, and I have a vision maybe of something better. But like right now, I don't know how to get from here to there.
0: Welcome to our messy middle. I think like, yes, this is the thing. We have to sit back and we say. This is what has been working. This is what I noticed. This is what I'm curious about. Here's what I'm passionate about. I mean, that's what you and I are just sitting here talking about so that people can kind of understand. It's not this. I saw a webinar on how to do a course on blah, blah, blah. So we should do a course on that. No. No, it comes down to what what do I feel it in my body? What do we feel we have capacity for? And what do we see the need being from actual conversations with people from actual, yes, we've got the data, but like you're saying the relationships that we've built, what we know and what we are seeing culturally and environmentally for all of us and what we're going through. Yeah. It's a lot to sort through because we're, we're still not done with this thing that's causing yes. the trauma, but yet we're looking at how do we reinvent or revision and renew and enliven things yeah. for ourselves and for our clients.
1: Yeah. I think that's the piece is I think sometimes I think most people and, and we, us too, us included want to skip to what's the name of the course, <laughs> what's the multiple stream of income? Right. Is it a webinar format? Like, I are just they, like
0: to skip to the income being here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, like how many times have we had clients say, um, I want to do a course. Um, what course platform should I use?
0: Or and what should I call it?
1: No, no, no. I think that, no, they won't even say, what should I call it? They will say, what course platform should I use? they've they don't know who their who who the ideal client is what the topic is truly going to be what features the person needs to have a great experience with the course and all of those things will impact what platform you choose yeah and so it's like the platform is one of the last decisions that you make yeah. when doing a course not one of the first but that's the piece so that's where we're at today understanding
0: like, yeah like people
1: deeply understanding that and like deeply exploring it and we have pages of notes in front of us it's probably good we are sitting on the floor by the way we are in our (laughs) our office (laughs) sitting on a rug on the floor with some meditation cushions um and with pieces of paper the gua (laughs) sha tools just sitting and and trying to slow down Knowing that when we get grounded and connected in with our bodies and experiences and our experiences with our clients, like that's where the magic comes. It doesn't come from um,
0: I don't know. I don't think it comes from thinking our way through it. No. We have to talk and feel our way through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like less up here on our heads and less connecting to our hearts and yeah. Yeah. And being honest, it takes a lot of honesty, like to say like i'm not going to do coaching for 6 months is hard to say that it's hard to be like i i need i want a break i want to stop i want to figure out how to better serve and reach people for boot camp like that that's where i want to be yeah and that or like hey doing this you know, like you had an MFT guide, we were talking about our successes this week. And one of the things was like, I got out of there. Like, I don't want to be on Facebook. It is not my jam. It's not the place for me. Um, And so like saying no to stuff, being honest about what's draining us and also where are we excited? Like we really want to get back into being with people and what does this all look like to, yeah.
1: And this, and I want to say too, like that can be a really hard decision. Like for, for us with coaching this last year, when we like, I want to say renewed or what have you, cause we do a year long coaching for someone to do one-on-one coaching with us. They need to do it for a year. And without sending out a single email, we were completely booked up. Like we got rid of our waiting list because we felt bad about having a waiting list where like, we're like, we don't know we're going to get to them. And to be able to say like, you know what? Yes, we could full this. Yes, this is a big you know, part of our income. And hey, things have changed. It used to be a huge part of that was people coming to Oceanside and meeting with us in person and, and doing events and going paddle boarding and all these kinds of things. And we've had to do our retreats virtually the last two years to like say like, you know what, we need to pause and we need to reassess. And we need to say no to that income for the next six months. So that we can really like explore what do we need and make sure that we're fully recovered and fully present for our clients. And our clients would tell you, I think probably across the board, they're, they're definitely saying, please don't, <laughs> please don't stop doing coaching. And they can work with us. We have a group coaching program, but they they would say, like, oh no, no, keep keep doing it. I love this, what have you. But we know in our hearts, well before something's gonna impact our outcomes we are self-aware to know that like, oh, burnout is coming if we don't make a shift. And that's not because we didn't put together a great program. We don't have great clients. We don't have great boundaries. It's because we created our business without a pandemic in mind. And like, we need to, now we
0: have to readjust. And I think that this is also kind of speaks to a lot of our clients who their phones are ringing off the hook and they're like, I'm going to take it while it's good. I'm going to, Mm-hmm. absorb all this, all these clients. And sometimes you have to say no to income in order for you to have sustainability, longevity, yeah. but also to allow the creativity to flow. Yeah, um, I think it's important because it is kind of exciting to be like, okay, for next year, what could we do? Oh, we have time for that. Um, yeah. Because now we know that we don't have the coaching there. Yeah. I feel
1: like this is enough for
0: today, (laughs) for
1: us, or at least for this conversation, for y'all listening, and we'll come back and we will dig into some more about how we translate these conversations and start to explore the options. And what is that like understanding and deepening in terms of what's happening with our clients? How do we take that and start to connect that in with options and ultimately get to what we're gonna actually do for therapists um, next? Yep. Yeah. Until next time, au revoir. Check us out. Do the thing. Subscribe. If you love, please this, like me. <laughs> and if you love this, like honestly, like give us a review. If you hate this format, if you're like, no, I just want starting a counseling practice, let us know that too.
0: I hope you love today's episode.